The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we're posting the conclusion to a sermon preached on the last day of 2023 on the occasion of the baptism of one of God's sweet little children. 1 Peter 3.21 tells us that there is a salvation in baptism, but as we've begun to see already, this salvation is not eternal salvation. In fact, baptism means nothing to one who's not already eternally saved and who has been born again. But as we've already said, that doesn't mean there's not a true salvation in baptism. Baptism is an answer of a good conscience toward God. Baptism delivers the child of God who's struggling in this world from the world itself in many ways by giving them entrance into the kingdom of God on earth, which is the church of the living God. Join us today as we conclude this sermon on baptism. And we see that there's a great need for every born-again child of God to follow his Lord in New Testament baptism. Now we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy, and then please stay tuned for the message.
spirits of God's people in those days, I believe there were more people on the earth that were children of God than just Noah and his family. And you know, children of God can live like children of the devil. 
I'm, I'm living proof of that. And I suspect if you look at your life, you would say the same thing. We can, we can live like children of the wicked one. We can act like children of the wicked one. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves like the prodigal son down in the pig pen of life. The prodigal son was always a child of his father. The idea there is that even children of God can stray away, even born again children of God can stray away and can end up in the pig pen of life. You know, if you went down to see and visit the prodigal son, you wouldn't come away saying, man, that's a godly man right there. <laughs> You'd probably come away saying, I, I just don't believe that guy's a child of God. He didn't give any evidence of it. If you were standing there watching them lead the thief on the cross to the cross, You'd have probably been shaking your head and saying, that poor guy's going to split hell wide open. He looked like and he lived like a child of the wicked one. He, and you know, you know why? You know what God calls that? Being in bondage to sin. Now, certainly before we're born again, we're in bondage to sin. But, you know, we can live our lives in such a way after we're born again to where we're still in bondage to sin. And I believe that's what he's talking about there. He's... He's talking about, he says, he's leading up to this example of baptism. And he says, by the Spirit here, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. This is an example of how it works, so to speak. He was preaching to those people in Noah's day. And he says, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Now, notice what's happened here. This preaching has been going on. The preaching has been done. Apparently nobody else was converted, but Noah's family was. And you know, that's how almost all of God's children are converted. That's almost how almost all of them. Notice I said converted and not born again, not regenerated. I'm sure that, that there have been people that have been born again under the preaching of the gospel. But I don't believe that's primarily the way it works. I believe the, the new birth... Uh, is by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit and can occur anywhere at any time, with or without the gospel message. But I'll say this to you, conversion has to do with the preaching of the gospel. See, that's what happens to that regenerated child of God when he hears the gospel message he hears it. I'm sure some have studied themselves into conversion. I'm sure some have gotten hold of a Bible and studied it. But I think in the world today, primarily the way that conversion works is they hear the gospel preached somewhere and ultimately determine that they need to be baptized. And most of the time, the baptism follows the preaching of the gospel. Look over in 1 Corinthians 14. Here's one of the best examples I know of to show us how that works in practice in a practical sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is primarily written about the gift of tongues that existed in the early church. But notice what he says in verse 24. He sort of explains to those Corinthians there why preaching is much better than speaking in tongues. He said, you know, he said already that if all they hear is speaking in tongues, they'll think they don't hear anything. They don't understand anything. They may even think you're mad. You're crazy. But look at verse 24, but if I'll prophesy, that's not just telling the future, that's talking about preaching there, speaking forth the truth of God's word. If I'll prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, 
And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Look at what's happened here. What's happened here is that there's someone who, is, who has come in from, from walking out in the world out there. He, it's, they've never heard the preaching of the gospel. They've never heard the truth of God's word. They've never maybe been in a church meeting like this. But he comes in and he sits down and he hears the word preached in its truth and its clarity. And he's convinced. Not, he said he's judged of all. That judging doesn't mean he's judged of the people in the, in the congregation. He's judged by the words that are spoken from the pulpit. He's convinced of all those words. He's judged by all those words. And the secrets of his heart are made manifest. See, it's already in his heart. His heart's already been tendered to the things of God. He's not someone who's, been, who's a reprobate, with, uh, uh, who's only been born in nature and never been born again because the natural man, we're told, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Someone comes in like that, they'll say, y'all are crazy for sitting here listening to this. Someone comes in that's never been born again, their heart is, is dead to the things of God, then they're gonna just turn and go away thinking, I'm not interested in that stuff. But see, this is not one like that because the natural man, the one that's only been born in nature, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And there's nothing that's more of the Spirit of God than the Word of God and the preaching of the gospel, the gospel of the grace of God. But here's one that comes in whose heart has clearly been tendered and it says the secrets of his heart are made manifest. Do you know that every born again child of God in their heart of hearts, I believe this with all my, my, my heart, soul, and mind. Every born-again child of God, really in their deepest heart of hearts, wants to know the things which we preach here at Zion Church. They want to hear that. They identify with that because if you take someone who has been broken, who has been born of the Spirit and sees themselves as a broken sinner that they are, and you say, okay, now you've got to do something in order to get yourself saved. They're not going to be happy with that. They're not going to, they're, they're, they may have been taught it all of their lives. They may have brought up, been brought up hearing that. But that's not really good news to them because they know what a sinner they are. But I'll tell you what is good news to them. <laughs> You say, listen, let me tell you the situation you're in. You've been born of the Spirit. Jesus Christ has paid it all for you. Amen. There's not more for you to do. He did it all. He said it is finished on the cross. That child of God, every child of God who's been born of the Spirit, I believe, longs to hear that message. And that's what's happened here, the secrets of his heart. You know, I, I think about Brother Luke Hagler, and I use this example so, so many times you're probably tired of it, but Brother Luke preaching here one night, said that when he was <clears throat> among a people that believed you had to do something to be saved, he said, he said, listen, I accepted Jesus a thousand times. He said, I accepted him one time and went down, like the preacher said, and took his hand and, 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 and made a public profession. He said, but from then on, every time the preacher would uh, close out the service, I'd just bow my head and say, Lord, I'm not sure I did it right last time. If I didn't, I'm doing it again. And every time he would do that, every week he would do that because he was never satisfied that he had done it right. Beloved, I want to say to you this morning that, that a child of God will never be satisfied that they got it right, but you can rely on the fact that Jesus Christ got it right. You see, that's what we preach here. That's what the message that he's talking about. This man here was most likely like that. 
He, was, he had probably been told he had to keep the law. He'd probably been told he had to be circumcised. He'd probably been told he had to do all sorts of things. Today, some tell you you've got to be baptized in order to go to heaven. You've got to accept him in order to go. You've got to pray the sinner's prayer in order, order to go. And in the secrets of his heart, down in the dark recesses, he always knew that that wasn't sufficient. He always knew he didn't get it right. But here, the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And he's been convinced. And he's been judged by the words of God. And he realizes that his only hope is the finished work of Christ. Amen. And he fell down on his face and worshiped God and report, reported that God is in you of a truth. You see, it's understandable. It's understandable that... Someone who's been born again would want to do something. I mean, a baby, when it's born, wants to start moving. If it's a healthy child, it's moving, it's active, it's wanting to feed, it's wanting to cry. It's, you know, it knows that it needs something. You know, a newborn child of God is the same way. We know we need something. That's why it's so tempting to say, okay, now let me go pray this prayer. Now let me go make these efforts. You know, though, that what that newborn child of God needs to be told, he needs to be told that there's nothing you can do to affect your eternal salvation because Christ has already done that. But now what you need to do is unite yourself with the people of God on this earth. You need to get baptized. <laughs> See, that's, that will satisfy. In fact, that's what he says, is it not? He says, Going back to 1 Peter again. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. See, it's the answer. This, the purpose of baptism. We, we started out asking the question, how does baptism save us? Well, clearly it doesn't save us for eternity. Jesus Christ did that. And it, baptism, though, does save us. But notice that it is a now salvation. Look at verse 21. The like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. It doesn't save us for then in eternity. It saves us now. There is a salvation here that is based upon the finished work of Christ. But it's something that we need to do. It's the answer of a good conscience. See, baptism saves us from something. Now, I don't pretend to have all the answers here, and I don't, you know, if someone disagrees with the way I apply this in this circumstance, I, I hope they'll give me Christian uh, charity and Christian liberty to, uh, to maybe grow and learn more about it. But notice what it says here. Baptism saves us from something. First of all, baptism saves us from not being baptized. <laughs> Think about it, you know, until you're baptized, it's the answer of a good conscience. When God tells you to do something, you won't feel good about it until you've done it. And you know what Jesus said in the very first message he preached, repent and be baptized. Be baptized. That's one of the first things that a newborn child of God ought to do is to be baptized, okay? And you won't feel good about it until you've done it. Back over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 down there, after he's told us about what Christ has done for us, he said then in verse 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Notice what he's saying here. You who have been saved by Christ, you've been born again by the Spirit, now you're purifying your soul by obedience. 
I don't feel very pure when I don't obey. But when I obey, I feel pure. I feel like I'm trying to purify my soul. I feel a little more sanctified than I did before when I do what God tells me to do. So, so baptism, the experience of new birth, makes us want to do something, and baptism is what we need to do, not what other people try to tell you to do. And nothing will ever assuage your regenerated conscience like baptism will. Secondly, it saves us from being covert Christians. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of children of God out there that I think are uh, undercover. They, they hide it real well. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say there's been times in my life where I've hidden it pretty well. Are you a, a covert Christian? Well, one thing baptism does is it makes a public profession of your following Christ. You know, he, Jesus said over in Matthew, he said, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. But he said, whosoever shall deny me before men, I will deny before my Father which is in heaven. That's not talking about eternal salvation. If you read the context over there, it's instructions to the church, instructions to the, people, the disciples living in the kingdom of God here and now. And the idea is this, is that when we identify with Christ, he identifies with us. He's already saved us. He's already our father, our elder brother, our savior. But we ought to live like it. We ought to identify with him. And baptism is a public profession of Christ. Now, thirdly, and this is the one I, we're going to close with this one. But I want to I think that's this one is the one that's more in the specific context of this text. He says the like figure whereunto baptism doth now save us. Notice back in verse 20 here, it says, he's talking about Noah there. He says, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Now, often we look at that and say, well, they were saved by the ark. And they were, they were. Certainly by being in the ark, they were saved in that day. But there was also a salvation in the water. How were they saved by water? Remember the wickedness of that time? Remember all that the every imagination of the hearts of men, of the thoughts of the hearts of men was only wicked continually? What did the water do? The water washed all that away, didn't it? The water separated them physically from the wickedness of the earth in that day. The water lifted up that ark. They were in the ark, and yes, the ark saved them. The Lord Jesus Christ saves us eternally. But that water washed away all of that wickedness. It separated them from all of the wickedness of the world. You know, that's, that's what baptism does in a, in a figurative way. Look with me back over in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is dealing with an objection there. Apparently there were some people saying that it's okay to keep sinning because you're saved by grace. You know, there's more grace for more sin. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. If anybody ever accuses you of saying, you know, people to say, well, if I believe the way you did, that it was all in the hands of the Lord, I'd live any way I wanted to. I'd sin all I wanted to. I find it interesting that it's only people that don't believe the way we do that say that. Because <laughs> we sure don't believe that. Paul didn't believe that. He said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not 
that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Look at what he's saying here. He's saying that figuratively, like the waters in Noah's day literally separated them from the wickedness of the earth, baptism figuratively separates us from the wickedness of the world and indeed the wickedness even of our own lives in the past. We ought to live differently because we've been baptized. As children of God who are members of a local church, we ought to live differently so that people see a difference in us. They don't look at us and say, oh, man, I didn't even know we went to church. They shouldn't look at us and say, well, I guess that Zion Primitive Baptist Church doesn't teach anything about holy living because old brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so sure doesn't act like it. See, the waters of baptism figuratively as those waters literally did, separate us from the wickedness of the earth. See, Jesus Christ may be the ark, truly the ark by which we're saved. You know, they were saved by being in the ark, by being in Christ, we are eternally saved. But the water saved them from something else too. It saved them from all the wickedness of the world around them. Baptism is the entryway into the church, friends, and the church will save us from the world's wickedness. He goes on to say in verse 21, the like figure whereunto baptism does save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. He goes on to say that to point us toward our hope, to point us, point us toward that which baptism demonstrates and that we're about to do here in a few minutes. See, if you believe this and you've been led by God to his church, then you ought to identify with that church and take up your cross in the kingdom of God and follow him. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.